Welcome to Impact and Freedom with your host, Jason Feldman. Welcome to Impact and Freedom. I'm Jason Feldman, and today I am so excited. We have Tim Stone. Tim has bought and sold over 100 apartments. His mission is to help others build courage and create wealth. He is the host of Student of the Game podcast, where he uh, teaches others uh, to increase their income, save on taxes, protect their income, and invest in themselves and others. Tim, welcome to the podcast. I'm super stoked that you, uh, you came today. Jason, thank you so much for having me. Awesome, man. Um, I would love to know, like, so you, you have uh, quite the goal. Um, this year, you're, you're trying to hit $1 million That's my goal. That, that is my goal, trying to make a million dollars. Love it. Love it. So take us back to, to um, you growing up and what kind of got you into doing what you're doing today. I'll take it back to the earliest piece of entrepreneurship I remember. Actually, I usually say it was flipping sneakers, but I do remember <laughs> when I was way younger, probably nine or 10, I used to make those paracord bracelets where you'd like, oh, yeah, take the rope and weave them together and sell them. And yeah. I, I remember I bought them, I bought the fancy clips for them and everything, but I didn't sell a single one. I didn't even try. I didn't ask anybody if they wanted to buy them. I just made them. Really? So I think there's a lesson in there, but I, uh, Around the time I was 17, got into flipping sneakers, kind of on accident too. Uh, bought myself a couple pairs of sneakers at the outlet mall. They were on sale. It was my birthday. Like, let's, you know, just buy myself some sneakers. And when I got home, I was thinking like, man, you could probably, uh, I could probably make some money off of these. I got such a good deal. So I put them on Facebook and I sold them the next day. Made like $100 profit off of the three pairs. So I took the money, went straight into the sneaker store and bought some more and, and kind of did that for a while. And then I would, I'd buy them online. I'd do the raffles with Nike and everything and try to get the rare sneakers that had good profit margin. And that was really my first uh, entrepreneurship. And then eventually, I, before I finished high school, I started a real estate photography business, which uh, my camera just went out of focus. <laughs> I started a, a real estate photography business. And that was really one of my first steps into real estate and actually making decent money. So I, I made enough money from that to pay for college. I was paying cash for college. Didn't really know why I was going, but that's just what you do after high school. <laughs> right. And I moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee to go to school. I got into a, a really good scholarship program there. And I just remember my mission was to figure out, pretty much to figure out how to drop out of college. I didn't want to really go, but I didn't have anything else to do. So I went. And I remember, you know, first first couple days on campus, I was like, who do I need to meet in Chattanooga if I want to do real estate? And mm -hmm. ended up getting some names, some people on my list I knew I needed to connect with and started networking, started learning about real estate, um, connecting with realtors so I could actually take pictures for them and keep paying for college and eventually learned that you could do real estate without having money. Like you didn't have to have your own money to do a real estate deal. You could borrow it from other people, give them a piece of it, and then you get a piece just for doing the work. Mm. So I was learning, taking investors out to lunch, going to networking events, just figuring out everything I can about real estate. And the right opportunity just came, having the right conversation with the right people. You know, I, I was constantly seeking some sort of opportunity to do my first deal, to get into real estate, to work under someone. And one of those names that my uh, program director gave me, his name is J.D. Frost. 
was talking to him. I'd known him for about a year. And he's like, dude, I think I know exactly what you want to do. We're going to start a company and we're going to buy real estate together. And we both had no idea what that was going to look like. That's so awesome. this is this was during COVID, during the pandemic. Um, I had a little more free time just because school was all virtual and everything. And we were trying to figure it out. We actually, um, very quickly, one of the first deals I ever looked at, we put on our contract. It was a five-unit apartment building in Chattanooga. Wow. I'm so glad we didn't buy it. <laughs> it was listed, I think, for 250000 I offered them two hundred, and they immediately said yes. Oh wow! And went to go see it. Was in a terrible area. Um, I really like didn't know what to do with it, so we ended up backing out of the deal. Uh, luckily, got our earnest money back too, and then um, just kept pushing. Put another deal under contract. I think it was twelve units. Turned out it was a weekly rental. Um, some of the people we were trying to partner with to invest on it didn't like that it was a weekly rental. The mm. lenders, you know, weren't really going to like that. So we backed out of that one. Luckily, didn't lose any money on it either. And then uh, just the right relationship that my partner had brought us a 48-unit apartment complex. And he said, you guys are buying this, sign the contract, raise the money, and you're going to do it. And that was our first deal. Wow. Where where did he get that one? That was from a broker. He He was one of the probably top, one of the top brokers in Chattanooga. They went to high school together. You know, they were buddies in college. They'd done business together. And he uh, he specifically doesn't buy deals under 100 units. So this one was 48. He's like, I know you guys are getting into real estate. Buy this one. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. So you had a little bit of mentorship. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, he, he definitely helped us out with it. He looked at the deal. He knew it was a good deal. Told us exactly what we were going to do and gave me all the advice along the way. But what what... What our dynamic was in our partnership was it was uh, JD, my my partner, and then our other partner, Doug, and they raised the capital, and then I did all the work. So closing table, handed me a bucket of keys. It was like 90 keys, even though it was 48 apartments, maybe even more than that, just a, a whole bucket full of keys. And they're like, you're in charge now. You're the property manager. I moved into one of the units. I was doing all the renovations. I was doing all the leasing, like... Broken wow. toilets at 10 p.m., doing everything. Um, and that, that's where I learned a lot of it. And then we, we actually sold that deal in 14 months. Uh, made a ton of money on it, too. 14 months? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's awesome. Um, generally speaking, for a, for a complex that size, would you normally have like a live-in um, property manager? It, it's It's about that size. I think some people would probably say closer to 60-ish units, but okay. it still made sense especially with the projects involved. So there were 13 vacancies when we bought it. Lots of renovations needed to be done. Lots of leasing showings. The market was super hot. Um, so it did make sense for me to live there. But also as a as a partner, I had just turned 20 when we closed on it. That's so it was cool. like, you know, a free place for me to live, uh, you know, could pay myself a salary for the property management. And then on the back end, I got a piece when we sold it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's the best way to move out of from home. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and learned a ton of lessons. Like, I mean, I was in there ripping out carpets, painting walls. Um, Doug, our other partner, his son, Max, and his daughter, Kyla, and uh, his other son, Griffin, they were painting apartments with us. Uh, Max was doing all the maintenance. Like, we we had no idea what we were doing. And we just, <laughs> <laughs> luckily, 
very luckily, and, and I, I realized how lucky we were. It's probably the best timing in the history of real estate to buy a deal in December of 2020 and sell it in February of 2022. You couldn't have, couldn't have done better ever. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm. What um what was the purchase price around? Bought it at 3.3 million. Cool. And, and then, then how did they, how did they raise it? We, uh, it was it was severely under rented. Um, so I'll tell you more about the deal. It was a street of duplexes. Okay. So 24 duplexes, 48 units. And most of them were two bed, one and a half bath. Some of them had garages. Some of them were two twos. And I think some of them were two, two and a halfs even. It was a, none of them, none of them had the same layout. They all looked the same, but when we got inside them, it was like, what, what is going on with this? <laughs> um, but there was a, you know, a, a two bed, one and a half bath with a garage rented at five fifty a month, and and market rent was. I think that unit is now rented at like fourteen hundred. We don't own it anymore, but you know, it was it was kind of ridiculous how low it was. Just the the landlord was being screwed over by his maintenance guy. Um, obviously, thirteen vacancies it still needed all the work. He wasn't doing it. They weren't raising the rent. Um, so we we fixed it up, made the place nice, ran it efficiently, put in good property management. Uh, once I learned all the systems, did a lot of renovations on the empty units, got those leased up first, figured out what the market was, and then we really we really left a lot of meat on the bones because we didn't bump people all the way up to full market rent. We just brought them up slowly, like every six months. So we we had our last round of renewals right before we closed. Wow. Um, but we, and then we ended up selling it for 5.1 million, just under 5.1. Oh, that's so from awesome, 3.3 to 5.1 in a year. So cool. <laughs> that's such a good story. Yeah. So, so how did your partners, how were they able to raise, this is the first time they've ever raised money? No. So here's the, the piece that's pretty awesome is my main partner, JD, he's a CPA. He owns an accounting firm. That's where, that's, Croft and Frost, we help people build courage and create wealth. Um, that's what it's kind of turned into is it was JD Frost and company back then. But it's an accounting firm at its core. It's tax strategy, helping entrepreneurs save money, building really good relationships, working closely with people. So if we've worked with you for five years, you know, we, we've saved you a ton of money. We're doing good business. You trust us. And we're like, hey, we got this deal. We need about a million dollars. You want to put in 500, you know, we'll get this guy's going to put in 500, you know, just the four or five of us are going to do a real estate deal. So that's how he's able to raise the capital very easily. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah. So cool that you got involved with them. So take us, so that's number one, one yeah. of 100. Yeah, that was number one. Um, so before we sold that one, we bought another 45 units. Cool. Um, which was a very similar deal. I was still doing the property management at the time. So that's a uh, 93 units, I think I was managing by myself for the most part. Um, and I was still in college. I ended up dropping out, wow. but, uh, and we could talk about that story as well, <laughs> but managing all the units, they were more spread out at that point. Um, it was more in like four or five locations. So it was really the same thing, just you know, going through value adds, some vacancies, renovations. Uh, we still own that deal, actually. We're uh, working through restructuring the debt right now. But um, Super cool. that deal, we got involved in a mobile home park that it was 60 pads with that broker because he owned all the mobile home parks around it. So he wanted this one more. I think we raised the money, got 50% of the deal. He patched them all up and sold them. 
um, wow. like two, three years ago, almost. And then, um, we bought a 10 unit deal just a couple months ago, uh, seller finance, no money down, 0% interest, um, which was a pretty sweet deal. And that one really helped me get over a lot of the imposter syndrome because I was doing these deals. I was part of the partnership, but I wasn't the one raising the capital. I didn't have the net worth to sign on the debt. So it was like, I, I wasn't putting the story out there as much, even though I was doing pretty cool stuff. But then like yeah. the, that 10 unit deal, like I did a lot of that deal. Like I, I felt like I did that deal. So now I was like, okay, we're, we're doing more stuff. And then we're under contract on a 25 unit right now. Super cool. Yeah. I love it. So what would you like? It's funny that th these are your first deals, uh, especially when it's a multi, multi unit um, complex. A lot of people feel comfortable maybe doing a single family, like a small single family. Like what, um, what gave you the guts to go for bigger properties? Partners. That's the only reason it makes sense. Yeah. And that, that's what I tell people when they want to get into it. I'm like, go ahead and find some partners where you can do bigger stuff. Cause that first deal, um, obviously I didn't own like a hundred percent of it. It was a pretty big deal. The percentage that I owned gave me a payday that most people are not going to get on their first deal. If you do a single family, do a flip, do a wholesale deal you might make 15 to, I don't know, 40, $50,000, but getting a smaller piece of a huge deal, you can make more money. And you're going to learn so much more. Like I, I was managing 93 units. I learned a lot about property management. Yeah, now, I that I've, it. now that I've fired myself from that role and hired good property managers, I know what to expect. I know what things cost. Like I, you know, I understand how long it's going to take to lease them, like all that stuff. Um, it's a great experience. Yeah. Plus it wasn't all on me. I had these guys that, you know, they knew what they were talking about. They knew how to get the money and they could talk to the banks. And I was... 19 when we put it under contract, 20 when we close. There's no way I could do that myself. Yeah, totally. It, it's funny too, because like so many times we think that we need to do, I mean, I, I talk to a lot of business owners and it's just the common story. We, as a, as an owner, you think like, oh, you need to be doing all this stuff. And, and it's like the more you can rely upon a team or trust in them and not take that on and be able to, you know, grow your team, the less you have to do, you can hire people that are better at things that, that you are. And, um, just, it becomes a lot, a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Think. And the saying, do you want a hundred percent of a grape or 10% of a watermelon? Right. Like, you know, just, you, you can do a bigger deal is kind of the point I want to get across. Yeah. Probably shouldn't do it yourself and that's okay. Right. Yep. Otherwise you might have some serious learning lessons. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I learned, I learned some stuff the, the hard way for sure. Uh, there's a, a story I tell pretty often with the, uh, the paints when we were painting the units, mm -hmm. I would go to the hardware store and I'd buy one gallon buckets of paint and I'd buy like eight of them. And they, they, you know, they, the paint comes just blank. It's white. And then they put the colors you want in it and they shake them and mix them. And they got a machine that does it. And I just right. go there and I'd have them shake eight cans for me and I'd load them all into my Toyota Prius. We go paint oh, for wow. a couple of days. I go back and buy eight more. And, and nobody told me you could just buy a five gallon bucket and it's like 40% right. <laughs> cheaper <laughs> for months. I was doing that. That's so nobody fun. said anything. Yeah. That's such a good story of like, who cares? Right. Who mm. you still got it done. 
But so many times we don't do something until we know all the information, until we figure out like what paint to get and exactly how to order it or something. It's like at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, you learned it over time because you were doing it, but like, who cares? You were, yeah, you were doing the deals. You were getting it done regardless. And a lot of this does have to do with the timing with the market, but all those stupid lessons I learned the hard way, and we still made over a million and a half dollars like by the time we sold it. That's so cool. Uh, of course, you know, we paid investors an awesome return and stuff, and then we got our, our chunk for doing the work. But, you know, you can you can learn stuff the hard way and be stupid for a little bit and still make the deal work. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a – it's better to get paid – like that's your school, right? Like it's better to get paid to go to school than to pay to go to school. So you were saying that your story about dropping out. Yeah, it was um, a couple of years ago now. Uh, I'm only 22. So I was supposed to graduate actually in December because I was a semester ahead. So a lot of the guys I went to school with graduated December and May th- these past few months. But I was going to school, doing good I always had good grades, like A's and B's, and I just didn't know why. Like, it, homework was, like, the worst thing. Like, yeah. you know, cheated on every book report pretty much ever, always. Like, never read books. And then the, between summer, I was going to conferences. I was paying my own way to get a ticket to real estate conferences, flying out there, hotel. Also wasn't old enough to book a hotel room. Had to argue every single time. But uh, because you got to be 21 uh, at most places. Right. So I found myself going to these conferences, paying for education. I was reading a book on the plane back from a conference. And I was like, man, I I chose to read this book. and I've never done that before in my life. But and I and I was just thinking about how important education is. But I was just getting it elsewhere. I was I wasn't neglecting education. School just wasn't the right piece for me. So coming back from that conference, I landed and I called J.D., Cause I wanted to get his advice and he's a CPA. He's got his MBA, like his father's grandfather, great grandfather. They're all CPAs, super educated. So he's like, man, I'm not going to be the guy to tell you to drop out of college, but you know, do it. And then he's like, dude, I'm so sorry. been waiting on this phone call. It's coming in. You know, I'll, I'll call you back. So he hangs up and I call the program director and she's like, yeah, I wouldn't blame you if you dropped out. You know, I'd probably do the same thing. So I said, that's all I need to hear. <laughs> and uh when he called me back i just said hey i dropped out of school and he was like what you know <laughs> kind of freaked oh, out so and funny. called my parents and told them and nobody was really shocked just knowing what i was already doing kind of knowing me before school anyway um but yeah that was that was the what did your parents say the story my mom my mom gasped when i told her which <laughs> like in a bad way or good she, she was, i just said hey you know i'm I decided I'm going to drop out of school and, she, you know, but it, it was totally fine. And my dad was like, yeah, I kind of saw that coming. So <laughs> it, it, it wasn't really a surprise. And it was, it got to the point where I was studying entrepreneurship and I felt like I may have had more entrepreneurial experience than a lot of the professors. Some of, mm-hmm. some of them had run businesses, but most of them went to school to learn, to teach business. So it, it just, didn't make sense there. And also I was pretty sure I was making more money than them. And that cra- that's so fin- crazy. Finishing school and getting a degree wasn't going to put me in a better spot than where I was already going. And if it was the worst decision I ever made, I could just go back next semester. Right. Like, as easy as that. 
So, so it really wasn't that hard of a decision. It took me all summer though. I wish I knew, you know, I, I was anxious, dreading going back to school, could not imagine sitting in another lecture doing homework. And then like three weeks before school, I decided to drop out. I wish I knew the whole summer, but it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. It's, it is funny. Like school, school's funny like that, right? You have mm-hmm. somebody teaching something that has never done it. And at the end of the day, you're getting a much better experience by actually doing it, a much better education by actually doing it. Right. Um, Nothing against the professors. They're yeah. great teachers. And some, some of them actually did have pretty successful careers as entrepreneurs, but uh, the system of school wasn't how they got there either. You know? Right. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing against it. It just, if it's not the right fit for you, don't go. But if you want to be right. an engineer, doctor, lawyer, accountant, please go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, so then, so then you're, you're, you're going through this journey of self-education I see you've met some pretty cool people. Um, so talk about that. Talk about like networking. Yeah. It's, Really what I've learned, and this is coming from other people's, the simplest way that you make more money and increase your net worth is learn new skills and meet new people. So mm-hmm. if a ticket to a conference is $1,000 and I'm just trying to figure out how to learn a new skill and meet new people, all I have to do is figure out how to make $1,000 for this trip to be worth it. So it's it's a no-brainer. So I, I went to a, I've gone to a lot of conferences over the last three years and, and just – networking, meeting new people. Uh, the big thing is making sure you follow each other on social media because it's so hard to keep up with someone if they're just a contact in your phone. But then you got a face to the name. You see them posting. They say you posting. That's the best way I've made connections at networking events is just go ahead and follow each other on Instagram. Easy enough. But then the it, you get to meet some cool speakers. Like, you know, I just walked up to Gary Vee at a conference in Puerto Rico talk to him for five minutes and I've, I've cool. Grant Cardone, Bradley. I got to have a 15 minute conversation with Andy Elliott about a month ago because I walked up to him after the conference and just talked to him. So the, these guys that you see on social media that are putting out great content, you know, they, they're building huge, massive audiences. You can buy a ticket to go talk to them if you want. So awesome. Yeah. Uh, there's no, there, there's nothing better to do then and i think it gives you a lot of energy too like like mm-hmm. it's so cool when you go to concerts or uh concerts that's pretty much what they are conferences right um, and you meet so many new people so it's like that whole one-to-many concept in marketing right it's like everybody there's so many cool people gathered together you there's no better use of your time like you 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 basically take a whole year of meeting people and condense it into a couple days Right. Um, and everyone there is willing to network. That's what they're there for. You could walk right. up to someone and say, Hey, I'm Tim. What do you do? And now you got a new connection. Like they're not going to be afraid of you doing it. They're not going to say, what the heck is this guy talking to me? It's a networking event basically. Right. So cool. Um, and it's so cool that you're doing this from a young age and you're, uh, you know, again, taking kind of these big leaps into mm-hmm. a a game that like it's not a you it's usually not started this early on in life right taking these big leaps so it's so cool um so 
what are some of the biggest takeaways that you've learned in the last uh, couple years? Uh, one thing that I've learned is that sales is really important. And I didn't think that, like, like I, I mentioned back to the bracelet story, I thought I could just make them and people would buy them, but you got to yeah. have conversations with people and, and figure out why they want it and, and make the transaction happen. And I always thought the key to building wealth is I'm just going to accumulate a bunch of real estate with other people's money and eventually be very wealthy because the real estate will get paid off. And that works, but how are you going to raise the money? You need some sort of communication skills and sales skills or how you present yourself. And then you need to get in front of more people and do business mm-hmm. with more people. That's that's how you make money. Really, the the way that you find success is helping other people reach their goals. So if someone's goal is to create a portfolio of passive income, and I can do that with real estate, why should they trust me? Why should they give us money? Why should they partner with us? Or on on the other stuff that we do with the taxes, we do events, we do coaching, all this stuff. Like, why does that get them what they want? You have to be good at communicating it so that they actually do something. Like they might think that it's a good fit, but they want to have a conversation. If the conversation is not skilled and not not you know pushing them to the make a decision, nothing's going to happen. Nobody benefits. You know, I, I can't help someone until they commit to work with us then I don't get paid till they commit to work with us. So it's like neither of us are being helped by nothing happening. Yep. So so to answer the question, uh, sales is much more important just in life and business than I had thought just as someone who thought they wanted to be an entrepreneur. And then the other thing is just, just meet new people. They say the more hands you shake, the more money you make. That's super important. Just uh, putting yourself out there, getting in front of people, having conversations. and Literally, like you could walk up to someone, have a conversation, and it might lead to something. Maybe it doesn't. It's okay. Love that. Yep, hundred percent. What? Um, when did you start getting into coaching? Um, I don't really do much coaching, honestly. Um, I have a lot of conversations with people. I do, I guess, coach people on real estate, but I don't charge them for it or anything like that. Um, nice. It's more of like a consulting and finding the right fit for what we do with all of our companies. So say if you want help with what we call the four foundations of wealth creation, increasing your income, save money on tax, protect your income, invest in yourself and others. So my job when I talk to you is to find out which one you need help with. You're already making a million dollars a year. I probably can't help you increase your income that much. Maybe, maybe something I could tell you can, but you know, that's what I'm trying to do. Save money on tax. I know a lot about the tax stuff we do, but I'm not a CPA. I can get you hooked up, get you signed up, you know, tax planning, tax strategy, like understanding the philosophy behind it and all the other pieces. Now the the real estate stuff is, that's my thing. Like I do the real estate deals. I do the asset management. I do all the negotiation. So I do help people out on that. But kind of the the unique piece with we've got a massive team is I don't really have to do any of the fulfillment, which is cool. Which is a cool that thing is- to be like kind of in a almost like a sales role is you get to be like the entrepreneur, but you also don't have to like fulfill the service, which is cool, uh, which I guess cool. is a little different than maybe a lot of the coaches you work with. Yeah, but it it is a good lesson. Like, I mean, it's so good to have a team like mm-hmm. like like regardless of um, if you are a coach or consultant or 
any business that you have. Again, going back to like the beginning of the conversation where it's like so many times we take on too much ourselves when it's so they're like the sky's the limit when you have a team and when you have other people like fulfilling on certain aspects. So now you can focus more on the sales and you don't even have to be the one doing the sales, but like you could be coaching your sales team on sales. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for, for us, like, uh, when I built my insurance agency, like I just, I mean, I sold a little bit, but I was like, I don't want to be, I would rather coach people on sales than Mm -hmm. be the one selling. So I took that role on and then was able to grow it from there. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're doing something similar now. We're actually hiring a ton of people. I think we've hired like seven or eight people in the last month. Uh, and every day for two hours, I'm coaching all the new hires, uh, just, how to talk about what we do. Most of them don't, don't need to learn how to sell, but they need to learn how to talk about what we do because mm. the, so there's four foundations. Like that's what I've been learning and living the last three years is like, that's been the formula that is helping me build wealth. It's not like, maybe it's something that we came up with, but it's a real formula. Like that's how you build wealth, increase your income, save on tax, protect your income and invest like simple enough. Yep. So just understanding it, applying it to every decision you make if that's your goal if your goal is to build wealth that's how you do it if it's not that's okay but um you know that's what we figured out works and i've seen it work in my life so that's why i can talk about it pretty good and and train the team and all that stuff just because i know it works i've been around for a while relative to what we're doing love it what would be one piece of advice that you'd give somebody that was coming into um just thinking about thinking about those four pillars and um, for them in their business, usually we, you know, we have a lot of coaches and consultants that listen, but just any business owner that, that um, kind of wants to get level up. This is mostly what I give to people who are just getting started is to go on like Facebook or Eventbrite or Google or something and find a free networking event in your area and go meet people that are doing what, you want to do so specifically in real estate there's a lot of meetups where there's no mastermind sales pitch or anything like that a bunch of real estate investors will show up to a restaurant sit down you know eat wings drink beer and talk and collaborate and and i'm sure there's a lot of that in a lot of other industries just um, i'm in real estate so i know it exists you can find one and i live in atlanta you can probably find one any night of the week that you can go to a free networking event and meet people who are doing exactly what you want to do at a higher level and walk up to them and have a conversation. Cause that's what they're there for. Awesome. Love it, Tim. Uh, thank you so much. This has been awesome. I, I hope it encourages a lot of other people to just take action and, um, grow their team, grow their wealth and anything else that I haven't asked you that I should have asked you. I don't think so. I could talk about real estate all day long. I've done some much smaller deals by myself. Once I actually made money and could do deals by myself and I've decided I'm not doing them anymore and I sold them, all of them. Wow. Uh, just because the it's so much riskier to do a deal by yourself. Like I bought a, a duplex in Tennessee and I was like, I'm going to keep this thing forever. My kids are going to inherit this. It cash flowed well. Like, I'm just going to keep it forever. And then having conversations with other investors, I changed my perspective. Like if a 
pipe busts or the air conditioner goes out. Like these things could easily cost ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars out of nowhere. And if I'm making two or three hundred a month, like that could be five to ten years of cash flow just gone mm. from one little thing. But if an air conditioning unit goes out at our forty eight unit or forty five unit, it's paid for by next month. So it's not as big of an expense. So and also it's, it was just me. So I, I I literally after having a conversation about that called my realtor and put it on the market. And the awesome thing is when I did that, I also 3X my money on that deal. So no it, it, was, it was a nice win as well. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just doing larger multifamily deals. The one thing I would leave out there is like how you can get started is for most people, go find the property. Because there's people out here who have experience, they have a team, they can get the money, they can get the debt, uh, but they just need more deals. And if you bring a deal to someone like me or someone else, you know, that does real estate, they'll give you a piece. I've done that before. So love it. We can leave it at that. Yeah. And I would have say more questions. I, a huge lesson in that is just diversification, right? Like just like not leaving yourself exposed to one or two investments that could go bad just to get the win of hey, this is my property where it's like if you mm -hmm. have a team and you have bigger properties and you're and, and you can relate this to any any business, right? Like the more you have, like the more individual, the the less risk. I have an insurance company and that is literally how they how they operate. It's the law of large numbers. The more risks that you have, the more it becomes predictable. And the more you can see patterns and trends and, and not one mm -hmm. thing will affect you uh, as much if you are that diversified. So um, that is a that is a good, very important lesson. <laughs> yeah. Like when we're doing the big deals, we're going to go ahead and underwrite expecting 10% vacancies or whatever. You know, we're going to expect to pay 10% for property managers. We're going to expect to have all these expenses for capital expenditures Maybe we do, maybe we don't, but we're prepared because we went into the deal hoping for the worst. And and then right. you're planning for the worst, not hoping for it, but planning for the worst. Yeah, right. So if it's better, great. If it all goes bad, great. We were expecting it. But if you've got one house, for example, uh, it no deal makes sense preparing for the worst. I, right. Maybe some of them, out, I wouldn't say no deal, but it's not very likely that they do. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because I know a lot of people with uh, membership programs and, and and stuff like that with the recurring revenue. It's the same thing. You are you always know what that churn rate is. You know what that um, retention rate is. I in, mm -hmm. in like our insurance agency, we know what that number is. That re retention rate. So we know what uh, how much how many people are going to leave. So like when you have that kind of number, it's like the same exact concept you have i mean it basically is yeah. a membership right membership right if you house. if you've got five thousand members in your program and you just know that whatever percent are gonna you know churn or if you have one right and then that one client goes away now you have zero income right. so it's the same thing it you know it applies to a lot of different businesses for sure 100 percent. awesome man uh well how can people get a hold of you on the interwebs the best way is instagram so it's at I'm Tim Stone. The letters I am Tim Stone. That's the easiest way. If you message me there, follow me there, I'll see it. Um, if you connect with me on LinkedIn, 
that's also a good way, but there's a an agency that manages it and you might get a weird message like, Hey, I came across your page. I'd love to connect. But <laughs> but but I, I will I will see your message if you message me on LinkedIn too. Super cool. Well, thank you, Tim. This is awesome, man. Thank you. Love what you're doing.